All right, back again for episode number four of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcasts. I'm Dustin. I'm Lakeisha. And before we get into this week's movie, we'll uh, we got to talk about the beers we're having. And... And what we are having, and we got to talk about our beers a little bit more than normal because it's a little special this time. Because this weekend, we acquired these beers when we volunteered at a brew festival here in Portland. It was called, is it the Brew Fest at the park? In the park? Brew Fest in the park. In the park. Overlook Park here in Portland. We volunteered for the final shift of the weekend, which meant that we got to bring a couple growlers with us and fill them before we, to bring them home. And that's what we are having tonight as we record this. I've actually volunteered at several um, brew fests over the years, and this is the first time that that has ever happened, so I was pretty excited. We were. We both were. Oh, no. So. So, and you chose to fill your growler with? Vagabond Brewing's Into the Wild IPA. So, not too bad. It's pretty good. It's very happy. Um, Kind of fruity. Uh, But it was really good. I appreciated it. So, and I got, uh, from Two Kilts Brewing Company, I got the what's called the Mosaican Mihazy, uh, a double IPA, which is pretty good. Any sort of uh, IPA that is a mosaic uses that style of hops, I tend to always give it a try because I tend to like that, those types of IPAs. And this one was pretty good. When we went to go fill both our growlers, we had to battle as they were just, the foam was just spouting out. That was a little rough, but we, we soldiered through and filled them up. And that's what we're having. A couple of good summery IPAs after a really hot weekends working out at the beer festival. Correct. So. And, and, well, and as we're sipping on these, we're going to be talking about this week's movie, which was your choice. We watched a movie at home this week because there wasn't anything in the theater we really cared for. And right. You, you chose... This week, I chose... John Wick, Chapter Two. Yes, for Episode Four, a uh, Chapter Two. That's correct. And we saw this in the theater when it first came out. We did opening weekend. Yeah, and, and you fell asleep. Yes, I did. I was just gonna say I'm glad that we actually <laughs> did this because I did fall asleep. And that's don't take that as any sort of disrespect to the movie. It was like a late showing. We had had a couple of beers with our friends Kristen and Cameron, and, and worked all day. And worked all day. And, and I'm not a young man, so that's that was more than enough to make me not <laughs> off at the, towards the end. So I was glad to see it again. I think it's more appropriate to say he gets up at a god-awful hour in the morning and had been up all day. And then we went and saw a late showing of the movie. So he, he, he likes to pretend he's an old man. But really, pretend. nobody can be up for like 18 hours and have several beers and watch a movie. Although I did make fun of you. At least nobody at this age. <laughs> oh, and yes, you did. Okay, so uh, you're, we're going to go over the three our three favorite parts or what we thought were the coolest parts or things from the movie. And since it was uh, your choice, I'll go ahead and let you go first. What do you think? What, what was one of the things you liked most? Well, I'm going to start off with the fact that I just really liked Keanu Reeves in this movie. Uh-huh. I think, um, you know... Him as a younger actor, it was safe to say that he was not uh, good 
as a younger actor. <laughs> okay. He was definitely typecast, and he definitely had um, a, a role that he played. And so, um, younger Keanu Reeves was not necessarily quality. Um, but I really think he's like grown into like these certain roles that he's playing. Uh-huh. And John Wick and John Wick Two, I actually thought he did pretty good. I liked him yeah. as this kind of quiet, more stoic character who's kind of reluctantly yeah. drawn in to these, um, you know, very kind of crazy scenarios. So I enjoyed his character. Um, I specifically enjoyed his attachment to dogs, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to two puppies. Um, but yeah, so I actually really, I enjoy watching Keanu Reeves as like a mature adult in his 40s. Right. Um, more than I ever enjoyed watching him as a younger are, actor. Are you disrespecting Bill and Ted's excellent exp- adventure right now? I am simply that saying is. that that is not a masterpiece in acting abilities. Is it a fun movie? Whoa. Yes. Bogus. Right. Right. I will say that I agree with you about Keanu. Um, I still think even as there's, he still is good at delivering a pretty wooden line of dialogue, (laughs) even at his age now, but a role like this, and this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment where he doesn't have a ton of dialogue, Mm -hmm. I think is, he does suit him best when he is just, um, because he's a good actor, uh, especially like kind of non-verbally like expressing right. and emoting and not necessarily you don't you don't really want him given a big long soliloquy or a speech and they don't do that in these movies right. so i would agree him as an older man in something like this uh you know fun fact good. he's yeah. 52 so yeah. i i guess now what that does is negate any of your complaints about being quote-unquote old like you see what he looks like older. at 52 and what i look like at 42 i feel <laughs> he's, worse he's feel worse. 52 years old and he did the majority of his own stunts in both movies i did see that so i am uh, yeah so anyway okay. all right so are you number one was agreeing with me uh well no my next one is going my what i'm going to say that i liked most about the movie uh was that first uh action sequence so the movie opens and there's kind of like a like the a car, car chase, the car chase <laughs> that devolves. Where he goes to get his car. He goes to get his car, and it devolves. Not devolves isn't the right word, but it also. But car chase turns into essentially a demolition derby of sorts as he finds where his car is, and there's just a bunch of greats cars running around, smashing into each other, and into oh, people and motorcycles. Oh, that was super cool. That, that was a first good part start. where that motorcycle just runs into the car, just yeah. you just kind of, I mean, great. like literally, you have a visceral reaction to go. Oh! Yes, and that is not the only time in the no. first like ten minutes or so of the movie that you see that. Just the using using cars as weapons to some degree, <laughs> uh, and and it's super fun, and you know, and American muscle cars all the way around, pretty much. So that's fun. They make big loud noise and. Right. For like a oh, big loud action engine. movie, love that engine. Yeah, those were those were pretty cool. And then he finally, and it's, we joked about it when we watched it for the second time. Is he finally gets his car that he's been missing for however however long it's been, and then it's just a, and proceeds to use it as a battering ram and just just wrecked to hell <laughs> by the time that sequence is over. But that's pretty that's a pretty great way to start a movie. You know that in chapter three he's going to get the car and it's going to be in pristine condition and it'll kind of end where it began. So. Well, we'll see. We'll see. That's correct. Um, so number two, um, I 
Yeah, I really liked actually um, Ruby Rose in this show. Okay, uh, she plays Aries, right. who has almost she has no lines. She does not speak. She's she like she's does mute not speak. or something. She's not mute because she does a lot of grunts in like that final battle scene between her and Keanu Reeves. Okay, um, but I but, but I love the fact that she is nonverbal mm-hmm. and she's female and she's kind of got this kind of androgynous kick-ass character piece. And and I have to be honest, I'm not very familiar with Ruby Rose. Like her primary, she done a ton. like yeah, her primary like like claim to fame is orange and then is the, the new, new black. black and i and i know people who listen to this might get mad at me but i have not actually watched that series at all and so um i'm not too familiar with her i think i've seen her in maybe one or two things mm-hmm. and so i was um pretty impressed with her character in this and i love that you know her role is to just be this like silent badass bodyguard and that ultimately i mean she holds her own until the very end and she's smart and she is kind of funny and and she leads a crew of essentially elite bodyguards Mm -hmm. and so i i actually i liked that character i appreciated a character that is silent and given the fact that you know john wick or keanu reeves reeves's character doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue either mm-hmm. i thought that like kind of played off each other pretty well so um because part of what makes this movie entertaining is is the lack of dialogue so and that and that was feedback from our deaf yeah. dog who can't hear anything, right? Um, and yet commented at a very appropriate time. She also likes the non-talking character in the movie that she couldn't hear. <laughs> anyway, okay, that is that it for your. That's so, my number two. So what's okay. your number two? My number two is gonna be kind of like uh, the what the kind of like the visual style of the movie. This is gonna sound a little maybe new agey or esoteric or something, but like everything looked really like there's everything was in like a like a cool neon setting you know or that one scene where in the, the museum everything looks really cool i don't know just everything is like in a the modern art the modern scenario. art center <laughs> or they're in like the, the you know the catacombs in rome where there's with a, a rave with a rave a rave yeah. you know neon lights and spotlights and all this craziness going and then on a in the crazy like it looks, it looks, dressing it looks cool. room with a spa right the dressing room with uh where what's where uh the, the sister is that he's going to kill mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's uh everything all the settings where everything took place just like they it's like they took extra steps to make sure that this is just gonna look cool regardless of what else happens like all the, the neon lights and the various settings at the museum they have the roman catacombs with the crazy rave <laughs> <laughs> because oh my god because of course there's a rave in the rave. catacombs why why can't any of this happen at just like a, a rock concert or something you know yeah. why has it got always got to be a rave but anyway that's one of my favorite parts is of uh, the whole thing is like everything just the settings of everything were just really yeah kind of fun and they were fun electric i would agree uh so finally my number three is just is is the action sequences which mm-hmm. is funny because i think we both can say and anybody who knows me well i'm i'm not a violent person and i'm not even necessarily like a gun person right and yet like john wick and john wick 2 i just really appreciated 
both I thought that their action sequences, like those sequences where Keanu Reeves just goes on this like badass like killing spree and fights people and he's like I mean, he does the vast majority of his own driving stunts and his own fighting stunts mm-hmm. in both movies. And I think that they are just very, they're very, very video game-esque kind sure, of in I a way. And it's like a live action video game. And I just think that like it is, it's very visually engaging and capturing. And I mean, ultimately, when you think about, is this a quote unquote good movie um i'm not sure but (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm really not like it's not gonna win any oscars let's say that it's not gonna get any oscar nominations but it's very entertaining and part of that has to do with these amazing action sequences that are done really really well and that you know there are many, many times in this movie where both of us were like physically cringing and like verbally being like, Oh, Oh no. Ah, you know? Uh, And that was, but that was part of the fun of it. And again, as I'm thinking about the three things that I like, I'm like, I really liked those crazy action sequences, whether it be with the car, whether it be with his gun is like, you know, he's like one shot, you know, um, kills like as he's going through this but also the fact that he like gets cut up he gets beat up and he's like actively hurting as he's like limping on to his next fight right um that those are just very visually well done right and the fact that you know that he's doing his own stunts just makes it all the all the more like better I guess. Yeah, you can. So, that's, that's always really cool when that happens. And then when they film it so that you know that it's that actor. Correct. Because like audiences get a lot more savvy over the years. And you can tell sometimes when like, well, that's a stunt double. Correct. Like when we watched it the second time, there were one of the few things he didn't do. I could tell when we watched it the second time where he's fighting. I forget who he's fighting. And they both rolled down a bunch of stairs. Like, well, that's right. not him. Yeah. And that's pretty yeah. much the only time it's not him. Yeah. And so he's fighting common. Um, yeah. But I think that I just, I like it. And again, I I felt bad as I was thinking about like, okay, these are the things I liked. And I'm like, this makes me sound like a really like violent person in that I'm like, oh, I love all these like murder scenes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they're really well shot, like on... Pun intended. Yeah, pun intended. But like, no, seriously, like they're really well done. This action sequences were shot really, really well. Um, and so I really just liked that. I thought that they were visually very well done. And kind of to, to, to piggyback onto, onto that same sentiment, um, when we saw this the first time and I fell asleep, uh, and when after I woke up and like, uh, our, you guys were making fun of me and I was like, well, what I miss? He shot a bunch of more guys in the face, right? They're like, well, yeah. Was, oh, okay. So, but what I missed though uh, because it was, I f- did feel that some of it was getting a little repetitive because there is only so many ways you can, you know, film someone getting shot in the head. But uh, apparently not. <laughs> they get, they get. But they, I feel like after watching it the second time, I kind of felt that way. All right, some of this action stuff is get feeling a, to me a little repetitive. But then that last bit when he shows up at the museum and he's got one gun with seven rounds in it. <laughs> 
And I even the second time I counted as the guns, the gun, as you know, as everybody started pulling triggers, I counted. And yes, he only had seven. He only used seven out of that particular gun. And then just from that kind of towards the end, that whole final sequence is really great. And especially like when they're in the museum and they're on all the, all the mirrored mm-hmm. stuff. So that I saw, I read a thing with one of the directors where that is essentially them going, oh, that's us trying to do Enter the Dragon. The Bruce Lee movie, which oh. I feel really stupid that I didn't even think about that until I read that, which was really cool that that's what they were thinking when they filmed that. But yeah, that last action sequence was starting with the seven shots out of the one gun he was given. Right. And then he ends, which is great because I hate yeah. movies where you're like, you know, I don't, maybe I don't know a lot about guns, but I do know that that gun does not have unlimited bullets. That's right. Like- <laughs> that's right. No, this is not, this is not Army of Darkness where... Bruce Campbell has an unlimited supply of rounds in his, in his pump action rifle. So, fun fact, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves did 95% of his own stunts. The only two stunts he did not do... The one down the stairs. One down the stairs. And do you know what the other one was? I saw this, too, but I can't think of it. It's at the very beginning when he gets hit by the car. That's right, yes. Right? So, mm-hmm. like, everything else he does himself, which makes the movie, I think, that much more interesting... Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason. And because you know it's him, and and like I mean, even in the sequences, you can tell that it's him fighting. Sure. That that's what makes it so good, you know. And I know the same thing happened in the first movie. He did almost all of his own stunts, even the like crazy car driving scenes. Yeah. So, yeah. He likes makes... those, especially the car driving stuff. Apparently, mm-hmm. he really likes. So that made I just for me that made the movie that much more um, kind of fun and interesting to yeah. watch. So, my last favorite thing was the reuniting of Morpheus and Neo. Oh, my Lawrence goodness. Lawrence <laughs> Fishburne of shows course. up. Oh, my goodness. And that whole scene is so great, I thought. Because um, I won't lie, that was one of the scenes I kind of half slept through in the theater. So, seeing it again this time. <laughs> so, he shows up. And they're even in the dialogue, I think they are on purpose making some thinly veiled references to The Matrix. Interesting. If you watch it again, like he said, when he shows up, he meets him up on that rooftop and he says, like, he won't remember, but he met me before, before my ascension. I think it's kind of, you know, you could, ah, there you know, we go, yeah. and then, you know, the yeah, thing yeah. about you gave me a choice, you know, red, blue, blue pill, right? There you go. And, and Lawrence Fishburne is just, and I think it's really great because you had, uh, that whole scene works really cool because you have, like we was talking before, Keanu. You know, having very short, you know, not a lot of dialogue. Everything is very, you know, just a few words here and there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then, but Lauren, they, get, they let Lawrence Fishburne, they let him talk. Oh, of course they and do. And the I'm two of them sh- together like that, he's like this very, you know, stoic, you know, just a few words. And then the, the way more verbose and loquacious Lawrence Fishburne. It's really cool to see them together again. Right. And I really like that. And especially like... Uh, because at this point, uh, John Wick's had like a $7 million bounty put on his head, right? And Lawrence Fishburne, every, every, like he does it two or three times in the scene. He's like, man, $7 million is a whole... He essentially he doesn't come out and say it, but he insinuates, I could just kill you now and cash in $7 million. <laughs> and, you know, and, you, and then you watch it and you see Keanu Reeves kind of like nervously look over his shoulder every once in a while. And he kind of reminds, you know, right. $7 million. And so that's why he had seven shots in that and that gun because he gets that gun from Lawrence Fishburne one million dollars per bullet that's all he gets ah, okay. so that's uh, that whole sequence with those two together that uh, was a lot of fun and 
and really cool. So that was my last favorite part of the movie. Nice. See them together. Okay. So anything? This is the part where we talk about, about things that things maybe, that maybe weren't we didn't. Our- Favorite favorite parts. So what what was it for you? What were some of the things? What was something you weren't too sure? Okay, and I actually was thinking about this today, and I, I so and it took a and realized this is just like kind of this is me. This is a big you know loud action movie. This movie isn't trying to make any sort of societal statements, but thinking about it today, I realized that in this film there are oh there are two women in it that have anything to do with the plot one of them is murdered probably within six five to six minutes of her first appearing on screen the other one doesn't speak a word the entire film she's not incapable of speaking so that you know and we've talked about in in previous movies that we've done so far we've talked you know a little bit about you know stuff of a female representation correct things like that so those sort of things stand out to me uh more and more and um you know so you know that's that kind of sucks that there wasn't something more i mean ruby rose for her part does do great you know and the, like the sign language and i love like the uh because they use uh, subtitles but not the way you, you know they're not just the little white words at the bottom of the screen like you see right. in any other movie they have like they're they're big and they're colorful and they're you know floating across the screen you know the way they use the subtitles when for the su- the sign language and anytime someone's speaking in a in a not in not english it was pretty fun but though that kind of stood out to me as i was thinking about this earlier today that the the two female characters that have any sort of substantial screen time you know what kind of what the roles were and what happened to them oh i will say the woman who played the sister who had like the death scene in the in the crazy <laughs> bathroom in the in the, in the catacombs. catacombs of rome that was a pretty that was a pretty neat death scene I'll see that. Yeah, I like the fact that she dies on her terms. You that's know, true. like that's yeah. good. But if she's got to die at all. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. It bothered me that there are exactly like three women with names in the movie. Right. Right. Ruby Rose, Ruby Rose's character, the sister, Gianna D'Antonio. That's right. I can't remember the actress's name. Um, and then uh, John Wick's wife, who who dies of oh. like well, there's also cancer. the woman who's like but, the major d or whatever of the Roman. Yeah, hotel. she's got some lines, but she's not like a central right. character, right. right? But like, and the only reason that um, you know, like you see these three women is that you know, and one is dead. She di- right. you know oh. she dies at the before. The reminds me of something one. else I was gonna say. And so I agree. I agree with that part. Like the fact that there are no. You know that that it, there's just not a lot of women like female representation mm-hmm. was con- like I mean of course it's never fun for me but at least I appreciated that the women that were there um, you know the two primary women Aries played by Ruby Rose and then Gianna D- D'Antonio played by the actress who I can't remember um, I appreciated that at least you know as women they weren't they weren't there to just be rescued, you know? True. They were actually fighters. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, the sister is like, oh, you're here to kill me. Okay, great. Like, clearly that's going to happen. So I'm going to do this on my way, and you don't get to just straight up murder me. And I appreciate, I appreciated that. But, I mean, yeah, it was a disappointing thing for me as well. 
And also, I will say this. Um, I don't know what you think about this, but that that the sister, um, that actress, they actually have her before she dies. She gets naked and gets into like the the hot tub, the hot tub or whatever that's there. And you know, and she's not a you know a twenty something you know Correct. perfect body you know willow thin you know actress you know that's like I don't know what that actress what her age is but you know she's mm-hmm. a little older than what you normally see in a movie when someone's taken off their clothes and you know and I thought that was kind of neat that the, right. that they had a character do that um, what you're saying about John Wick's wife going back to the first movie. You know, um, you know, she, <laughs> they frit. I mean, John Wick's wife is fridged before the movie even starts. Right. You know, and if, if you're listening to this and you don't know what the term fridged is, uh, you can Google it or email us at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. If you have any questions, I will explain what fridging is. Uh, she's fridged before the movie even starts. And then in the first movie, when they kill his dog, that's oh. essentially fridging his wife over again. Yeah. That by. By the way, I still cannot watch that per- the first part of the first movie of John Wick simply because I'm like, oh, the puppy. Ah, oh, no, not the puppy. And I love <laughs> in the second movie. Very much like the first episode of The Walking Dead. Right. But I yeah, still haven't watched the full episode of, the, of that scene because I'm like the moment I saw, oh, man, he's going to ride the horse in the middle of downtown, especially after they specifically say, don't go into highly populated areas. Right. Couldn't watch it. They were going to kill the horse. Um, but, uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I get that. And that makes that makes total sense. Because it is annoying that, you know, there aren't any really... It's not... It's definitely not a necessarily a woman for... A, a movie for women, I guess. Sure. A woman for movie. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, in the first one, you've got... Um, Oh my gosh, what's her face? Um, the actress, I'm blanking on her name. It'll come to Adrian Pata. Oh, Padalecki. Padalecki. Yeah. And um, and I thought, you know, at least, you know, yes, she dies in the movie, but at least she's, you know, kick-ass living on her own terms too. Sure. So at the same time, like, you know, John Wick's wife is the only like quote unquote innocent. Um, there and yes, she's fridged before the movie even begins. And then, you know, the first two movies, that's really who he's pining for. And he's just can't stop watching her because she was his out. She was his way out of the lifestyle that he was living. Uh Um, and you know, and, and ultimately it sucks that all the women in these two shows die uh, yeah. However, I do I do appreciate that if they're gonna die, they don't die passively. They're not dying on their because they couldn't get rescued. They're not dying because they're helpless. They're not dying because they're idiots. Um, they are all they are badass women who are living life on their terms. And granted. All three of them ultimately are villains, but they, <laughs> I mean, and not that John Wick would not. Yeah. Ult- hey, there ain't would a not whole be... lot of actual heroes in these films. Right. Yeah, there, this is very much There's an the guy that you root for, film. but he's still a mass murderer. Don't put it. Yes, yes. It's definitely where you're rooting for the anti-hero. But, um, but I appreciate that they, they kind of own their lives. Sure. You know, versus that woman, you know, the, the, um, 
what is it? The test, the, where the Bletchel tests where they're like, can you replace it with a lamp or are they, Oh yeah. That's, are they well, that's coming to the conics where uh, they're thing, talking yeah. about a yeah. man or the Bechdel test is yeah, you Bechdel it. test. Thank yeah. you. You know, like they're not, they, they definitely pass that their sure. conversations are not necessarily like, oh, I just well, can't exist without this boy. The Bechdel test is if, uh, are there, first of all, there has, there has to be more than one woman in the movie. And if they talk to each other, it has to be about something other than the, the male character. Okay, I they believe, never talk to each I other. I might have that a little bit wrong. Uh, the, the sexy lamp thing is, uh, I, I don't think, I think this got edited out of one of the last podcasts because we did talk about this once before. But uh, Portland's own Kelly Sue DeConnick, writer, she writes comic books and actually now TV too, whom we've met mm-hmm. several, several times. Several times. Our personal friend, Kelly Sue DeConnick. <laughs> That's not true. But she's a very nice woman. But she, I've seen her in interviews talk about um, female representation, not just in like comics or in movies, but just in fiction in general. And she says that she'll occasionally get asked about, you know, writing female characters by other writers, about, you know, by, from men. And she will say, well, here's how you can tell, this is what you need to do to tell if you're doing it right. Take your female character. If you can replace her with essentially a sexy lamp, and nothing about your plot really needs to change, something's wrong. Right. And that's and you know, that's not the case here with these women in these films, I don't think, even though although I will say, uh, you know, that you don't know for sure that Ruby Rose is dead. Yeah. That's I a mean, little ambiguous. It is heavily implied. That's true. So and ultimately, you know, regardless of that, I just think that at least at least if you're going to have um, women represented, if they're going to have to die, A, they're not dying helpless. Mm. Um, and they're kind of just owning their their lives. And they are in charge of kind of what happens to them. And right. the fact that they are choosing to be villains is their choice. You know? Yeah. So I appreciated that. Um, I feel like we kind of got off track with things we weren't too sure of. Well, there wasn't a ton because, you know, these movies are pretty simple, like they plot-wise. Are. So there's not a ton to get off the tracks about being, like, really upset about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, like I said, I said some of the, the fight stuff, like, kind of once you hit, like, the halfway point, it gets a little repetitive. until the, But they, I think they were just saving it for that the end. Because mm-hmm. in the end, they really do turn it up, and it's pretty awesome. Right. Um, I, one thing I do like about the movies that I wish they would explain a little bit more is this whole idea of like you have all these, all these very lawless, very violent people, but that how they somehow all adhere to these very arcane, strict, mysterious rules, you know, at the continental of the con- about the continental hotel, and there's these coins that you have to have to go to the continental hotel, and you know these tal- these talisman markers, you know, which was kind of one of the plot points of this movie, and uh, so yeah. That that I mean I guess it's, maybe it's better that all that stuff is a little mysterious, but I do still think it's a little funny that you have all these people who are willing to break every law there is, but you know, but hey, you know, don't don't uh, don't shoot anybody in these hotels. That's off limits. Right. Well, and I actually kind of thought that part was fascinating. You know, to just just to disagree, I thought that like. Oh, like this weird scenario where there's like this underground society where no matter what you do, yeah. when you walk into this hotel, it's neutral territory. You will abide by these rules. And, and, you know, in the first one, like 
they're not all villains. There's a cop. There's like a, um, that is, that's there. And so this idea that it's, it is neutral territory where you can okay. kind of go to get away from it all, yeah. um, was just entertaining for me, sure. you know, more than anything else. And really what makes that work is like all the supporting actors they get, like the guy that runs the Continental and his like concierge, they're all really great. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like, there's no, like, you know, if you had a lesser actors, that would probably be a little more eye rolly. Correct. So, but yeah, that's think I really don't know that I have anything else to really say really negatively that uh, really bothered me. Yeah. I think I was not, it's interesting. I like the actor who played the brother, the Dentino brother. Oh, sure. Um, he was pretty cool. Um, but I did not necessarily like his character. Well, that was the point, right? No, but I mean, like, even the things that his character did. He wanted his sister dead. Right. But he couldn't kill his sister. That was his sister. I think we actually... He We laughed at that. I know. We We laughed laughed at at that that. perspective because that's ridiculous. I still love her, so I can't kill her myself. Right. I still love her. I want her dead, but I can't kill her. You know, like, I mean, that was just silly and over the top. And then, That was part of the weakest... Plot I points. want him yeah. like there was like this entitled, like spoiled killer rich boy thing that was going on. Yeah, you know, because like okay, he satisfies my contract, but then I want to kill him. Oh, you didn't do it, so I'm going to put a seven million contra- dollar contract on him. Yeah. Oh, that didn't work, so I'm going to go into this hotel and I'm going to stomp my foot and demand that his privileges be revoked because I'm cranky. You know, like there were just I, I just felt like. <laughs> He was, a, it was about, it, I don't know, like, it furthered the plot of the movie, but not necessarily in a logical way. So the actor, I I like, I mean, mm. yeah, he I was good. know I've seen him in multiple things, mm. but kind of the lines or the, or the role that he played. Yeah, the kind of the logic, the driving, yeah. It was not too much of a fan of. Yeah. Um, I think if you only watch this movie once... Or maybe twice, it's not going to bother you. But if you're paying attention to the movie, mm. you're going to be like, well, well, that's kind of a stupid thing to do. Or that yeah. character is kind of annoying. Like, it, he kind of deserves getting shot in the head at the end. Like, yeah. so, but, I don't know. Yeah, but then, the, but then, you know, then John Wick is, you know, you know, knife fighting someone five minutes later and you don't care. That's yeah. true. You kind of forget about it. Yeah. So, I mean, when you were you mentioned earlier that uh, you know you don't know whether whether or not this is a quote unquote good movie, mm-hmm. you know that's what uh, that's what I like talking to people about movies. Is everybody has their own definition, you know, their own criteria as to what makes a movie good. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest criteria for me is will I see it again? You know, right. Rewatching a movie is a big deal for me as to whether or not I think it is good. And we now own this movie, and you know, so yeah, I would uh, and. Yeah, totally watch it again. So I think it's a good movie. Right. So I thought so too. I will just point out that I remember saying, Oh my gosh, you gotta watch this movie, John Wick right. with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I knew this was and come you up. were so reluctant. Like, oh my goodness. Well, because you're like, and then Keanu they they Reeves. kill his dog. I was like, and he goes on this like death spree because they shot his dog. Are you his kidding me? Puppy. It's a puppy. Okay. But yeah, um, I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then yeah, you kind of liked it. So. Yeah, it was pretty good. 
Yeah. Um, I think uh, the only other thing I would say, and he has not, he's been neglected in this uh, podcast so far, but I just got to say, um, Common has turned into quite the actor. You know, Very I scary. watched him a lot in um, Hell on Wheels. I thought he was really good there. Um, once again, his character is pretty mm. good here. Um, it's a lot about what was unsaid, you know. Yeah. Kind he is, of this. He's essentially the mirror image to John Wick. I mean, they oh, have yeah. similar jobs. They have the same equipment. They both have the same bulletproof, bulletproof suit. sweet suits. Yes. Yes. Well, I just, I mean, there's that, like, professionalism between them. They just yeah. happen to be on opposite sides. sides. Right. And really, this comes down to the fact that, like, Common had a job to do, and it was protect to protect this one person. Mm-hmm. And John killed her. Right. And so, ultimately, for him, it's just, like a professional embarrassment that he has to like recoup from. And yeah. he's like, you, I had one job to keep her alive and I didn't do that. So now I have to take revenge yeah. and, and, and like, you know, so that part was pretty, was pretty cool. But I liked the fact that he was, you know, he, he's just developed as an actor and had you asked me, you know, prior to hell on wheels, like, Hey, the rapper common is going to be an actor. I would have laughed and laughed and laughed mm-hmm. and said, Oh, that's great. That's going to totally work out terribly. Um, but he's actually kind of developed and I, you know, thought he, he was a great yeah. counterpoint to Keanu yeah. Reeves. Also might still be alive for all we know. Also might a, still be alive. That is correct. Not out of the realm. Don't of move. Don't, don't pull move. that knife Just out. He didn't pull that knife out of his chest. Right. right. So that and who knows? We might see him again. Yeah. But I just yeah, that, I had to put that honorable mention in because sure. Common has. Um, I I never would have pictured him as an actor, and he's actually does a pretty decent job. He does. Like that's that went after like he's killed. Uh, John Wick has killed the sister, and they run into each other at the, at the rave. Yeah. And he's like. Hey, John, you working? Yeah. A good night? And I think he says, like, unfortunately or something yeah, like that. afraid so. Afraid so or unfortunately. Something like that. And that's just that very simple, like, you know, five to seven word exchange. And they both, Common immediately knows what has happened. And it's on. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. I like that. I like that they, do- yeah. Anyway. This has already been our longest podcast to date. Yes. So anything else? Anything else you want to say about John Wick? chapter two no i i mean it's meant to be a trilogy i really hope that they do the third um i think it'll be just as entertaining the first two have been pretty well done yeah and and the dog survives in the second one so win that's all that matters the dog survives what what i would like to see out of the third one is like uh like uh keanu and common have a pretty good like hand-to-hand knife fight oh yeah you know and that's and it was it was pretty decent but i would really like an an over-the-top one-on-one um choreographed because that's what i was missing it was it was okay but like if anyone's ever seen the movie the raid 2 there's a fight scene in that that is amazing and that's what i was hoping to see when they were about to square off in that train and it was it was okay so that if so john wick makers if you could if you could just up your game there That'd be great. Uh, and I would simply say I appreciated the fact that this was a movie where, I mean, they were all good fighters. They were good killers. But, like, they didn't have these weird, like, supernatural martial arts skills to, like, yes. suddenly win yes. the day. There's veiled references to The Matrix, but there's no bullet time. 
Correct. <laughs> yes, I like that too. It was all very you could you could excuse it all like realistically happening in the real world. There's no Correct. There's no like you see how something happen and go, oh, that that couldn't have happened it really. That's obviously faked or, or what have you. Correct. Okay. So is that it for John Wick chapter two? That Anything is else? it for John Wick chapter two. All right. Well, that'll be it until next week when we're going to talk about our next movie as we go back into a theater for Baby Driver. I suppose so. I can't believe you're not more enthusiastic about this movie. This looks so good. That's debatable. We'll find out next week. Edgar Wright. You like Edgar. We like Edgar Wright. I do like Edgar Wright. I am not sure that I like this whole premise of Baby Driver. But we'll talk about that next week. Okay. All right. Until next week, thanks, for everybody, for listening. If you have any questions or comments or anything you want to say to us, you can be the first person ever to email our email address, ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. Come on. Break the, break the seal. Get us our first email. Uh, but uh, thanks, sweetie, for doing this with me. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Of course. I hope you like it, too. I do. And uh, everybody else, have a good week. Go see a movie. Talk to you later.